we've been talking about uh, healing uh, for the last few weeks, and we focused a couple weeks ago um, when I administered on Proverbs chapter 4, where we emphasized that the Word of God in general, what I mean by that is every word of God, every word is full of power, is alive. It, is, it, it has an energy and a force already there to bring itself to pass. And what we want to do is consume that word. And Proverbs chapter 4 talks about consuming it through many ways, through our eyes, through our imagination, through um, our words, our mouth, uh, hearing it. Um, we want to continue, we want to see it at work. We want to consume it all the time. And as we consume that word, what does the Bible say? That that word is life and that it's health to all our flesh. That that, that word of God, listen to me carefully, that word of God, every word of God, when it comes to healing, will produce health in our bodies if we will do what Proverbs 4 says to do. Will it work if we only look at it occasionally? No. That is not what Proverbs 4. We have to follow the directions and God's plan there, His prescription. That is, we are constantly consuming it. We are, we are looking at it. We are reading it. We are thinking about it. We are meditating. We are imagining it work in our life. And we only listen to what the Word says and nothing else. That means we're ignoring um, the negative things. We are, we are not going to pay. I'm aware of pain, but I'm not going to pay attention to the pain. I'm not going to let the pain distract me from looking at the Word. And that's the key. We must continue to look at the Word of God. And that's what we're going to do tonight. What we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to look at some of the healings uh, that we see uh, Jesus involved with. And as we look at these, I want you to know that every word of God, in the word of God, regarding healing does what for us? It gives us faith, right? Increases our faith and provides healing for us. In other words, if we'll consume it, if we will absorb it, if we will think on it, if we will meditate on it, it's doing good for us, okay? It's actively doing something, whether I can confirm that in the natural or not, whether I can look at my body or not, whether I see a difference or not, is it working, right? Just like a seed when it's planted in the ground is working, even though I can't see it, Okay, It's doing its job when it's planted. When we plant the Word of God in our heart, what is it doing? It's actively doing something. Remember, that Word, that seed is alive and it's powerful and it is doing something inside us and that's faith. i got to believe and take God at His Word no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what's going on, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what my best friend says, no matter what the circumstances say. I'm sticking with the Word. I'm keeping my eyes on the Word. I'm not letting go of the Word. And as we do that, your faith will produce. The harvest is what? If you're sowing seeds of healing in the Word, what's the harvest? Health, healing, right? Feeling better, looking better, being healthy, getting rid of whatever that junk is that's going on. All we got to do is take God at His Word and do what He said to do. Let's not worry about how it works. Okay, let's not get distracted by how it works. Let's just do what the Lord said to do. And so 
You don't need to turn here. If you can take notes, that's fine. But we're going to look at the living Bible on a couple of these verses. We're going to look at the healing of the centurion's servant. And we're going to start with Matthew's recollection of it. So Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 5 through 13. When Jesus arrived in Capernaum, a Roman army captain came and pled with him to come to his home and heal his servant boy, who is in bed paralyzed and racked with pain. Yes, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Isn't that good news that Jesus' response was that quick? Yes, I'll come and heal him. Then the officer said, Sir, I am not worthy to have you in my home. And it isn't necessary. I want you guys to listen to this closely. It isn't necessary for you to come. It is not necessary. If you will only stand here and say, be healed, my servant will get well. I want you to say that with me. If you will only stand here and say, be healed, my servant will get well. This is a very powerful statement here. This, remember, we're going to read later in the story that this man, this Gentile, that wasn't even part of the covenant of Israel, displayed more faith that he blew Jesus away. And I'm telling you, if you can impress Jesus with your faith, you're doing something right, all right? And Jesus was blown away by this guy. But notice, it isn't necessary for you to come. If you will only stand here and say, be healed, my servant will get well. I know because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come. And he comes into my slave boy. Don't get hung up on slave boy, okay? Back then they had slaves, all right? Apparently, though, he treated his well, all right? And my slave boy, do this or that, and he does it. And I know you have authority. Now, notice what he said. I know you have authority to tell his sickness to go, and it will go. How does he know that he has authority over sickness? Because he must have heard of the healings of Jesus. He must have heard them. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing. So he must have heard or he saw or witnessed some of the things Jesus is doing. How can you heal sickness if you don't have authority over sickness? Right? In his mind as a man of authority, he, he reconciled that very quickly. That you must have authority over sickness or you wouldn't be able to kick out sickness, so to speak. Um, verse 10, Jesus stood there amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles, like this Roman officer, shall come from all over the world and sit down in the kingdom of heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and many an Israelite, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, and shall be cast into outer darkness into the place of weeping and torment. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go on home. What you have believed has happened and the boy was healed that same hour. The boy was healed that same hour. Now, I want to read the same story, but I want to read Luke's version of it. And you're going to notice some slight differences, okay? Luke chapter 7, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. When Jesus had finished his sermon, he went back into the city of Capernaum. Just at that time, the highly prized slave of a Roman army captain was sick and near death. When the captain heard about Jesus, and that's what I'm talking about, he heard about Jesus. How does faith come? 
by hearing and hearing. So he heard about Jesus. He sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they began pleading earnestly with Jesus to come with them and help the man. They told him, that they told him Jesus, what a wonderful person the captain was. If anyone deserves your help, it is he. They said, for he loves the Jews, and he even paid personally to build us a synagogue. Jesus went with them. But just before arriving at the house, the captain sent some friends to say, Sir, don't inconvenience yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor or even to come and meet you. Now notice this powerful word. Just speak a word from where you are. Say that with me. Just speak a word from where you are. Notice the same thing, from where you are. Just say the word from where you are. Um, And he says here, just speak a word from where you are, and my servant boy will be healed. Notice the emphasis on words, guys. And my servant boy will be healed. Did he say he might be healed? He said he will be healed. You just speak a word from where you are, and he'll be healed. He will be healed. You can't get any stronger than that. It's done. You will, he will be healed. All right. You do that. You speak a word from where you are. He will be healed. All right. He's making it very clear what he believes. And he's speaking what he believes. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my men. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And to my slave do this or that. And he does it. So, just say, be healed, and my servant will be well again. All you have to do, Jesus, is release those words right from where you are. Just say, be healed. He'll be fine. Be healed. That's all you have to say. Verse 9, Jesus was amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, Never among all the Jews in Israel have I met a man with faith like this. And when the captain's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Now, when you read these recollections, there's an amazing thing about faith here. Jesus was blown away. I mean, he was looking at this guy thinking, I have not seen any faith displayed like this in all of Israel. No one. And this guy, like I said, isn't even under the covenant. He's a Gentile. He's outside. But apparently, He believes and he acts on what he believes. And that's simple faith. But there's some lessons to be learned here as we go through this. And I want you to see this because it might look like from some standpoints that Jesus gave this man favor. Maybe because of what the Jewish elders told him. Remember, he treats us well. He built us a synagogue. Or the boy was healed because of Jesus and what he did. Okay? But... It was this man's faith that impressed Jesus. It was, now, Jesus didn't necessarily say, according to your faith, be it unto you, did he? He didn't ever say that necessarily in this particular instance, but Jesus was extremely impressed by this man's great faith. Everybody say great faith. I mean great faith, not, not just faith, not little faith, because Jesus referred to that, but he referred to this man's great faith. And any time we see that, we want to know why. Why did he have great faith? Why? So we can emulate it. So we can see it. How many would rather have great faith or strong big faith as opposed to little faith? 
right? I don't want to have just little faith. I want to have big faith. I want to have strong faith. And so we need to look at what did this man do that made him so special, that made this stand out? And so let's look a little closely at the whole background. First of all, the centurion. A centurion, if you didn't know, is a captain in the Roman military. And at that time, as you know, the Romans were the ruling party of the world, so to speak. And uh, uh, this man is a military man by nature, meaning what does he do for a living? He carries a sword and controls men in, in, in battle and so on and so forth. Well, this man evidently heard about Jesus. So we, here we have this military man who hears these things about Jesus. Now, what do we know about Jesus? Well, we know in, in Acts, the Bible says that he went about what? Doing good in healing all those that were oppressed of the devil, right? He was hearing about these stories, about this Jesus, maybe even heard some of the teaching. And he began to believe. He was a believer in God, and he was probably encouraged by what he was hearing and what he was seeing. And his faith grew, and he had someone that he cared greatly about who was sick and dying, and he's connecting the two. And this same Jesus, if he can heal all them, he certainly can heal the person that I care greatly about. And so he obviously, again, I want to emphasize, believed and was not afraid to act on what he believed. He was not afraid to step out on what he believed. Now, let's consider the servant. In Luke's version, he talked about how valuable the servant was to the man. What I mean by that is is that the man wasn't just like any slave in general. Apparently, even though maybe he was a servant, he was a slave, the centurion cared a great deal about this one. Maybe, maybe he was like a son to him. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he was, um, in, if you didn't know this, in the Bible, you might, anybody ever heard the term bond servant before? You know, you've read, and you, you the bond servant. Well, what many people don't realize is a bond servant is someone that wants to serve the master. In other words, they were cared for, they're taken care of, and they love that person, so they choose to serve them. That's what you and I are supposed to be with Jesus. We're not his slaves. You understand? We could, we could go anytime we want to go away from Jesus, but what we want to do is become a bond servant. In other words, we choose to serve him. We choose to lay our life down. Why? Well, anybody going to treat you any better than Jesus? No one's going to treat you any better, amen? You want to serve him and honor him for all he's done for you. Well, this man apparently was like that with um, this centurion. He loved him dearly. He would go to great lengths to help this young man. And again, he hears about Jesus, and so his thought is, I'm going to pursue Jesus. And so we see him pursue Jesus, and we immediately see Jesus' willingness to heal. I mean, immediately Jesus said, yes, I'll come and I'll heal him. I love that in the Bible. That Jesus didn't say, well, let me check my schedule. You know, I got a lot going on, guys. How many believe Jesus was busy? He wasn't just sitting there spinning his wheels looking for something to do. He was on a mission from the Lord and he was busy about doing it, but he never turned anybody down. You know, he would never say, nah, I'm sorry. Why don't you go ahead? Hey, Peter, Peter, put their name on the list. We'll get back to him later. You know, he wasn't going to do that. Well, in this case, he said, yes, I'll come and I'll heal him. What that tells me is that is the heart of our Heavenly Father. 
Does our Father want us healed? Does He want us healthy and strong? It bothers Him, I'm sure, greatly to see the amount of Christians on the earth today that Jesus bought and paid for their healing. That He went beyond any human length to secure our healing, to secure our wellness, and yet there are so many Christians dying sick that are filled with pain. I know one that I saw the other day, racked with pain, racked with pain. And the problem is, he's born again, and he knows Jesus could heal. But where he, at, where he draws the line from what he was taught is, would he heal me? Could I have faith? See, he's taught that God heals who he wants to heal. That God, you know, God, maybe God has a raffle system with the healing, you know? And, and if you're good, you get a ticket in there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is the thinking. I know you may not have heard the raffle thing. Don't take me literally. But what I mean is they really do believe that, well, you know, you never know. I mean, you know, God moves in mysterious ways. How many times have we heard that? What's the mystery? Open your Bible and you can see what he's doing. It's not a mystery. He made it, Jesus made it very clear. (laughs) You know, there's no mystery. It's just a made-up thing that man says when he doesn't know the truth. Because God gets the blame for everything we don't know about. He gets the blame for everything. Well, the fact is, is that Jesus came, and the Bible says this, that He is the exact image of God. He is the exact image of our Heavenly Father. So if we want to know what God's like, what do we do? We look at Jesus. We look at what he does and what he says. And, and he says that whatever he says, what the Father would say, right? And vice versa. In other words, they are one. There's, there's no separation. There's no disconnection. And so if Jesus said, I will come and heal him, what is the attitude of God the Father? He wants us healthy. He wants us strong. Amen? He wants us fixed if there's something wrong. And the great thing about it is what? He is the same yesterday today and forever. Aren't you glad that God's not moody? I know some people in my life that way. Up and down. You never know where they're at, you know. Now, some of you are like that. I've been that way. You know, the, the word hangry has come out now, you know. And you, you've been that way. And maybe moody and hungry and, and tired, you know. Well, aren't you grateful God's not that way? Aren't you grateful every time we go to him, he is always the same, no matter what. Thank God for his mercy and his grace, even when we act like idiots, you know. Amen? I'm telling you, I'm well aware of that, because sometimes I act like an idiot. My wife will confirm that. You go see her. She'll tell you. All right. Now, I want you to notice carefully that Matthew says something, and Luke says something different. Matthew says that the centurion came to Jesus, okay? And it, 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 maybe some of you didn't read that real closely, but you'll notice Matthew clearly says that the centurion came to Jesus, but Luke says something different. Luke says that a delegation was sent by the centurion. Um, remember the Jewish elders on behalf of the centurion. Well, here's something that I need to point out because people could read that and say, oh, I found an error in the Bible. There's something wrong here. 
In other words, no, 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 Matthew and Luke, they don't agree. And see, people jump on that kind of thing. Why? Because it proves that there's problems. Well, there's something we need to understand that I want to share with you that's very important to the story, okay? I believe the Holy Spirit set this up. I believe that the Holy Spirit had Matthew write it a certain way. How many believe that the Word of God is inspired by the Spirit of God? In other words, when Matthew was writing his part down, he was writing it a certain way, but then, then the Holy Spirit had Luke from a slightly different angle. But he's saying the same exact thing. What we need to understand is that the centurion sent a delegation on his behalf to speak for him. That's what he did. Matthew wasn't lying. What we need to understand is that you can't talk about authority without talking about delegation. You were in the military, am I right? Delegation and authority go together. What's the point of having authority if you can't delegate? Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you have to have the two together, and you can't separate the two. Delegation and authority go together. And what this story, part of it is about, where this man has such great faith, is his understanding of authority and delegation. Now, what we need to see here is that the centurion sends a delegation on his behalf to speak for him. In other words, the elders of the Jews were representing the centurion. And how the receiving party receives them, it's just as if the centurion was talking, right? He was in the military, and I'm sure a superior officer, if he told you to go tell someone else something that was directed from him, it's no different than if he was talking. I mean, you don't exist, really. You're, you're just the guy who is on behalf of the other person, the higher authority. Well, when the centurion sent the um, Jewish delegation to Jesus on his behalf, Matthew just writes, the centurion came. Because there wasn't any difference. This is very, very important for us to see because, again, it gets into that authority delegation. L let me explain what I mean in this. I want you guys to listen closely. You and I are in Christ. Wouldn't we agree? You and I are in Christ, right? We're born again. We're new creation. Say it with me. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So what makes me a new creation? Because I'm in Christ Jesus, right? I am identified. My identity is in who? In Christ Jesus. I'm in Him. Now, Jesus gave you and I authority to use His name, right? I want you to think of this. He delegated, He who had all authority, right? Remember, Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. And He delegated His authority in His name to you and I. So when you use that name, there is no distinction between you and Jesus. In other words, when you say to the devil, in the name of Jesus, and you direct him on something, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. You need to understand that. Sickness, disease, whatever it is you're talking to. I don't care if you're talking to grass. When you use the name of Jesus to whatever it is you're talking to, 
There's no difference. There's no distinction between you and Jesus. You are in Christ. You are Jesus talking to that situation. And see, some of you look at me, yeah, I understand that. Do you really? Do you, how many believe that Jesus, no matter what situation he ran to, if he talked to it, that was changing? But why don't you believe that about yourself? You have the same authority. He gave it to you. The one with all the authority said, go in my name. He gave you his name and you talk to whatever it is you need to talk to. I mean, I'm telling you guys, if we would get the revelation, the understanding of the amount of power in that name and understand that authority, that delegation, that there is no distinction between us, that the same, it might as well be Jesus talking to it. It is Jesus talking to it. And nothing would stand before him and stand and not do what it was going to do, right? What did Jesus say? That if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you can say to that mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Was Jesus telling the truth? If you really believed in your heart and you said to that mountain, now Jesus was giving us an illustration, but the reality is he did tell us, if you talk to that mountain and you believe in your heart and you say it with your mouth, it's going to happen. It's going to move. There's no doubt about it. How many of you know you can have mountain-moving power? You can pretty much handle everything else. There's not too many circumstances in life you couldn't deal with in that name. But you need to understand this whole authority and delegation thing. That if you understand it, I really do think maybe we ought to have Philip teach us sometime. Be good. I mean, to understand the military perspective of that, authority is everything. It's everything. I mean, how many, you couldn't just sass off to someone, could you, that was over you? I mean, it might as well be the end of your life. <laughs> I mean, that's how serious it is. Well, see, we don't get that. Civilians don't get that because we sass off to everything. But my point is, is that, am I right? In civilian life, you say whatever you want and you're protected. But when you sign the dotted line to lay your life down with the military, everything changes. Everything changes. We need to understand that you and I signed our name to the dotted line in the name of Jesus. And that authority, that delegation is available in our life. And I'm telling you guys, there's power there. So we need to understand that this military man, this centurion, fully understood that. He fully understood the power from authority delegating to someone else. All right? He knew it, he lived it, and he expressed it in his life. And so let's look a little further here. In Luke's account, when the elders of the Jews approached Jesus, they did something else that, again, I think needs explaining. And that is, they talked about all the good the centurion did. Somebody could read this and interpret it as, oh, I see, so you could gain favor with Jesus if you do all these good things for the Jews. And somebody might connect the dots here and say, well, I haven't really done anything special or, or, or something like that. But let's look a little closer. Jesus was told about all the good things the centurion had done for them. Uh, the centurion had done, I mean, for the Jews. He's talked about how he loved them, how he treated them well, how he built them a synagogue. In other words, these uh, Jews, I really do believe they weren't just saying this. They meant it from their heart. This man loves us. 
He's really, truly helped us. Now, how many of you know you are not going to get brownie points with God by being a goody-goody? All right? God is not going to respond. He is no, say it with me, he is no respecter of persons, okay? You're not going to get anywhere being goody-goody or trying to get brownie points by, well, I live a pretty good life. You know, I've done some good things. But on the other hand, something that we need to understand is this, is they said the man was deserving of help. In other words, he didn't earn brownie points with God, but the man was deserving in the sense, don't you reap what you sow? Right? What did he sow? Well, he sowed mercy and love and time and money and health. Well, aren't you going to reap those things? You see this? Now, see, somebody could see, well, why does this Christian seem to have more blessing of God than that Christian? Well, it's not that God loves that one more than the other. It's that they have, what? One has done more than the other. In other words, they've sown, they've loved, they've helped, they've given. But the other one, maybe not so much. Now, I want you to see this. It's plain and simple that you can't truly serve God. And I mean serve God. There's a lot of people who think they're serving God because they go to church and they tithe. And they think that's enough. But that's not it. Serving God is a lifestyle. Serving God is every aspect of your life, including your thought life. It's what you do. It's your giving. It's your your walk, what you do at your time, how you deal with situations you come across. Serving God is every part of your life, not just one little part. Well, you can't give God your life. You can't do all these uh, things in the name of the Lord because you love the Lord, because you want to bless the Lord. And then when you're down and things are difficult, the Lord abandoned you and say, well, I wish you well. You think the Lord would do that to you? Remember when I taught you that if we honor God with what's important to God, what will he do with you? He will honor you with what's important to you. You see that? So in other words, God is bound by his word to honor his word. This man lived the life. Even though he was a Gentile, he was living better than most Israelites. (laughs) He was doing more because he was doing it what? Not to win favor, but because he loved God. And he just lived his life that way. And he was generous and helpful and a blessing. Well, God's not going to abandon him in a time of need if he lives that way. That's something that we should all consider. We should consider our lifestyles, what we do and how we live our life. Well, in other words, let me give you an example. Psalm 91 says that because he has set his love upon me, I will deliver him. Everybody hear that? Because you set your love upon God. That's not just talk. That's living the life. That is living the Word of God, every part of it. And as you do that, as you honor God, as you love God, God's not going to sit idly by when you're in a problem. All right, He's going to be there to help you. So this man, so to speak, needed help. He was crying out to the Lord, not for himself, but for someone he really cared about and he loved. Everybody with me so far? But I want you to see that it wasn't just favoritism, all right? It was how he lived his life. Now, this is my favorite part, okay? This is the faith part, all right? Speak the word only from where you are. Say it with me again. Speak the word only 
from where you are. See, this is the faith lesson that we need to get a hold of. Jesus was willing to physically heal that servant. Remember? He said, I will come and heal him. And so Jesus is on his way. And then they get stopped. The centurion being a man under authority doesn't believe that's necessary. And that's what's so powerful about this. All of us usually want to see something. Lord, couldn't you like um, part the clouds maybe as a sign? Couldn't you, couldn't you make me feel all glowy and, and, and maybe my hair stand up a little bit? I mean, couldn't, couldn't I feel something? And this man didn't even need to see Jesus. He didn't even need him coming near him. And that's the amazing thing here. He says what? Just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Guys, that is powerful. You ought to just meditate on those words. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. He didn't need to see Jesus. He didn't need to touch Jesus. He didn't even, I mean, he maybe has never in his life seen Jesus. But he understood authority. And that's the powerful thing here. The centurion describes the authority over him and his authority over others. The centurion understood that if Jesus had authority over sickness, all he had to do was give his word. That's all he needed. If Jesus said, be healed about his servant, it's done as far as he's concerned. Why? Because he has authority. He understood something supernatural was going on here. He understood the power and authority in that delegation. And if he let those words out of his mouth, be healed, it's over with. My servant's healed. In other words, you just say the word Jesus and he'll be healed. I'm telling you guys, that is just... That is why Jesus was so astounded by this man's faith. Everybody else needed to touch Jesus, needed to see Jesus, needed something special. They needed some outward connection. You remember in the old days where the televangelists say, just touch the TV and release your faith, you know? Or they'll say, get my handkerchief. For only a $500 offering, I will send you this handkerchief. It's the only way you can be healed. It's the only way to get a miracle. Hogwash. You know, but the fact is, is that what are we doing there? We're, we're trying to connect in some way, release our faith. And this man just said, speak the word only from where you are, from where you are. How many of you know there's no time or distance in the spirit? I could have been in Hawaii last week speaking a word over you here, just like that. It, it, that's it. It's done. It's done. We don't have to be present. We don't have to be touched. We don't need anything. Just speak the word only. So if you called me up, well, pastor, I need you to come and, and lay hands on me. And I'm like, uh, that's going to be difficult. You know, I'm in Hawaii. How about I just speak the word only? Well, I really need someone to touch them. <laughs> and see, you might say, oh, I wouldn't be that way. You'd be surprised because the, somehow they connect well, don't you have to lay hands on the sick? They recover? Well, that's one way. That's one way. But how many know a higher faith way is what? Speak the word only from where you are. Just speak the word and it's done. I've done that so many times in my life where I just spoke over a situation just real quickly. Somebody will say, well, if I eat that, I'll get sick. Not in my presence. You'll be fine. And, and, and they'll, they'll eat it and they'll be fine. I'm like shocked. Now, they might not get away with that in their own because of their own doubt and unbelief. But my faith will work if you're with me. It will. 
if you just trust me. Now, if you keep on saying, no, it won't, no, it won't, no, it won't, no. Well, you might as well get a barf bag. All right? <laughs> but I'm telling you, didn't Jesus say that we're to talk to things? Right? Speak to things. And you don't have to be in front of it to speak. You could talk about your children maybe on the other side of the world. And, you know, somebody, sometimes we can get in all kinds of fear about what's going on. Just speak life. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over so-and-so and so-and-so. Right now, angels go to work on their behalf and protect them. How many of you know that an angel can get from here to there pretty darn quick? I mean, I mean, just probably about as fast as you can think. I mean, just boom, boom, you know. And you know what? There are angels there too, just in case. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is let's just trust the Lord and not be concerned about it. Amen? You can speak right from where you are, and it will work. Speak from where you are. I'm telling you, say it with me again. Speak from where you are. That is so powerful, guys. Now, Jesus is blown away by the centurion's faith. In fact, he turned around and he made a big issue about how I've not seen anybody display this kind of faith. And all it was is this man needed no physical evidence or proof of any kind. He didn't say, I'll believe it when I see it. Think about it. He said, speak the word. My servant will be healed. That's it. I mean, I don't need any, for, I don't need it in writing. I don't, need, I don't need any other evidence. That is faith, guys. Faith in the Word of God without any evidence of any kind. That is the highest kind of faith. You can't get anything greater than that. You can't get any higher than that. And that is what we should all strive for. Now, this is the thing that you need to understand. The centurion heard about Jesus, right? Remember, how does faith come? He, he, by hearing. So he had heard several stories probably over and over and over. Maybe he saw some things from distance. Maybe his Roman soldiers, some of them, reported some of the things they had heard, they had seen. Who knows? But he was getting this information. Now here's the key. He believed in what he was hearing. He acted. How do I know you believe the Word of God? You act on it. You do something. For someone to say, I believe in the Word of God, but you don't act on it, you don't make a step, no, you don't. No, you don't. Now, you can just believe in things, but if you really believe, you'll act. You will do something towards that. If you really believe that you will reap more than you sow, then you would give it every turn. If you really believe that, now, will it work? I'm asking a legitimate question here. Will it work, right? We sow, what happens? We reap, right? Do we reap more than we sowed, right? Remember, the, the, the harvest is determined by what? The seed we sown, the size of the seed we sown. If I sowed cheaply, little, I was a cheapskate, what, what's going to come back to me? It's going to come back cheap. It's going to come back little. But if I'm a big giver, if I'm generous, if I'm freely uh, giving things, on a consistent basis, what's going to happen? It's going to come back to me consistently, 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 and generously, right? If I really believe that, then I would what? I'd want to give on every opportunity I could. Why? Because I want to see it come back on every opportunity. You guys are all looking at me like, oh, shut up, preacher. You know? But I'm telling you the truth, right? 
If it works, why, if, I reap, if I reap everything I sow, then why not be sweet? Why not be generous? Why not sow mercy, right? Why? Because I need it. Hey, anybody ever been pulled over by a cop? Do you go say, I want justice, sir. You give me justice. And if I deserve a ticket, you give me one. No, every one of you. Oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> you know, right? Mercy, mercy, mercy. Yes, officer. You know, why? Because you don't want justice. You were wrong. He didn't pull you over just because he felt like it. I mean, he pulled you over because you did something wrong. You know, you were speeding or did something. And so he pulled you over. So what do you want? You want mercy, right? So if, you, if you're, though, sowing justice all the time, oh, no, no, everybody gets exactly what they deserve, and that's how you live your life, guess what's going to happen? That's exactly what's going to come back to you. It's going to bite you in the rear. I mean, you're not going to like it. But i got be honest with you, I sow mercy. I do. Ask him. He works for me. Am I not merciful? Have you given me opportunity to be merciful? <laughs> The fact is, is I so mer- now I sow a lot of mercy. I really am. I might be tough in some areas, but I am very merciful. Now, the fact is, I want the mercy. Why? I'm smart enough to know I need it. I need it from my wife, <laughs> most of all, God. I need it from the policeman who pulled me over. I need it from the bill problem or the car issue or the, you understand what I'm saying? I don't want justice. I want mercy, you know? Amen. Well, that's the, the, the fact here. If we believe on the Word, we act on the Word. Say it with me. If I believe in the Word, I act on the Word. Okay? That is faith. That is moving towards it. Okay? It's doing something. In other words, it's putting, it's putting actions to your words, not just saying things. You know what I'm talking about when we were kids? You know, there, there'd be a lot of them that would talk a big game, but they'd never do anything. You know? You need to put... Action with your words. In other words, put your money where your mouth is. Don't just be shooting off all it. Oh, I love you, Lord. Lord, I'll do anything for you. Oh, Lord, I believe this. I believe that. But when it comes right down to it, you really don't. You know? And then you'll blame everything else on why it didn't work and why, you know, you know. I mean, this, <laughs> I didn't want to get into that. Anyway, belief and actions. We see the centurion's faith turned to sight. You don't need to turn here. But Matthew 8.13 says this. It says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Whose faith is the one that got the man healed? Think of, let, let me read it again. Go your way. This is Jesus speaking. Go your way, as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Who is Jesus relegating the faith that got the man healed? The, the centurion, not Jesus. And see, a lot of times, we, we, don't, we, we, we slide over that. We think faith is, oh, Jesus, won't you do this for me? Oh, Jesus, won't you do that for me? And that's not what's in the story. We see the man acting on what he believed, on what he heard, and we see results. Your faith did it, in other words. Jesus could have said, according to your faith, so be it done unto you. Then in Luke seven ten, it says, And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well, who had been sick. I find that wonderful. I mean, they got back, and the man exactly what he had. Now, Jesus may have said that, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done unto you. But the fact is, when did the man get healed? I mean, 
when, when that man released his faith and said, Jesus, just speak the word only, as far as Jesus is concerned, man, he was impressed. And so he said what? He never even said the word be healed, did he? He said, go your way. Go your way. Just like you believe, it's done. I'm telling you guys, you have more authority and power in this life than you realize. You need to release that in your words. Don't just say anything. Remember, there's life and death in the power of what? Our words, the power of our tongue. Our, our tongue forms words. And so we need to speak to things. Jesus said what? If you believe in your heart and say with your mouth to whatever and command it, it's done. You have the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the most powerful name in the universe has been given to you to use in your life. Quit letting things beat you down. Talk to those things. Don't get tired of not talking to things. Sometimes what I mean is we said it a couple times and then we just kind of let it go and never say it again and things bother us and we just kind of let it pass. You know, like that pain in the neck or that pain in the back or that pain in the foot that, that slips up that you don't consistently talk to. You, every time it peeps its ugly head, you say, in the name of Jesus, you're completely whole. Let me, let me say this. Let's, let's say it this way. The Bible says this. Listen closely. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed, right? Is that the word of God, right? So God said, who said? God said. By the stripes I took for you, by those whippings, you were healed. You were. When were we healed? When he, what? Took the whippings, right? By his stripes you were healed. So we were healed, right? When were we healed? Back a couple thousand years ago. So don't ever say out of your mouth, I'm going to get my healing. That doesn't agree with the word. What does the word say? Well, if by the stripes of Jesus I was healed, then what does that make me now? I am healed. Say it with me. I am healed. I No, you've got to quit saying, I need my healing, or I need a healing, or I'm going to get healed. It's, why are you putting it out in the future? It's already been taken place but see we have to meditate on that when i mean my meditate say it over and over and over to make ourselves conscious of it so that we speak in faith i am healed i am healed i'm already healed i'm already healed from blood pressure problems i'm already healed from sugar problems i'm already healed from any pain in my body i'm already healed from whatever i am the healed of the lord i'm healthy i'm strong say it with me i'm healthy i'm strong I'm free from sickness and disease. I am the healed of the Lord. I'm not going to be because I already am. All right? Do you see that? We have to get to where that's what we're saying. We're already healed. So, I mean, if I pray for someone, then what should they do? They should say, the moment the pastor laid hands on me, the healing power of God went in me and it's working in me. But I'm already healed. You see... Just because someone prays for you, okay, and we're believing God that the healing power of... Do you see the difference between the healing power of God working in you and you already being healed? I'm already healed, but maybe that healing power needs some work in me. Remember when we talked about God designed our bodies to heal, right? You scratch yourself, what happens? 
power goes in there. Sometimes our body needs a little bit of a jump start. It needs, in other words, Jesus is our healer, and so He's working in us all the time, and so we can release our faith to believe God to hype up that, that speed. You understand what I'm saying? Could Jesus heal us instantly? Sure. I mean, but he could also speed it up. He doesn't, it doesn't have to stretch out. When the next time you have the opportunity to get a flu or a cold, don't say, great, there goes five or seven days. Say, no, I'm the healed of the Lord and I'm completely free and I do not receive that blankety-blank-blank in Jesus' name. And you know what? If you'll do what I'm talking about, you'll be over it in a day. Am I right? I've done it several times. I mean, just over in a day. I mean, I might have felt bad for just a little while, and then, but I'd never, I never agreed with it. I never took it. I never went right to the cabinet. I hope I got enough supplies, you know. I mean, you might as well just camp out and say, well, I won't be in for a week. <laughs> Listen to me. If I'm going to take seven days off, it ain't going to be for the flu, okay? I don't. <laughs> That's not where I want to spend my time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If I want to take time off, I want to be out goofing off doing something fun, you know? Amen.